Amen. Our scripture text this morning comes from Mark's Gospel. Mark, the sixth chapter, verses 14 through 29. So, hear now as we read Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 14 through 29. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. But an opportunity came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guest. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you, even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What should I ask for? She replied, The head of John the baptizer. Immediately, she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guest, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, this is not one of our favorite stories of scripture. But Lord, speak to our hearts. And lead us to where you would have us to go with this, your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The sermon this morning is not necessarily going to be going in the typical direction that preachers usually preach this passage. You're not going to hear a sermon about 
John the Baptist's death, ushering in Jesus and his ministry. But I do want us, for just a little bit, to take a closer look at Herod. Here in our text, we get a glimpse of a man, a king, who is forced, if you will, through circumstances to do some soul-searching, to do some soul-searching. Herod, because of actions of his past, must look deep and sort out, if you will, get honest with himself for a moment about what he did and why he did it. This process of soul-searching is a process of remembering, remembering behaviors, both physical and mental and emotional, and seeing who we are through the lens of Jesus. So it's not necessarily a what-would-Jesus-do moment, but it's a what-would-Jesus-think and how-would-he-see-us as we act, react, speak, etc., in any given situation. Herod hears about Jesus, and he wonders himself who he might be. He hears a little bit of what Jesus is preaching and teaching, and for Herod, it is almost like hearing the John the Baptist all over again. All over again. So Herod wanders off into his private thoughts, and he remembers how he himself was involved in the death, the murder, if you will, of John the Baptist. Herod begins his soul-searching with these words. John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. I can only imagine where his thoughts must have taken him at that point. In many different directions, I'm sure. Herod had to have known that his oath did not have to be, he did not have to be bound by his oath, especially at the request of such an unreasonable and evil request in itself. Nevertheless, he bought into the thought that the words of a king were law. This was not something that was really unusual for kings. I'm sure in that day and that time, kings were thought to have the final word. And that once a king made a promise, he had to keep that word. He had to carry through. 
any king anywhere must save face at all cost. But the time had come when Herod would have that opportunity to remember, to think about his actions. In Mark's gospel, Herod truly was a remorseful and sincere king for the moment, even though it had very little meaning to the outcome of what happened. As I was researching this week, this passage, the Greek word that is used here in Mark's gospel, paralosis, means deeply grieved. The scripture said that Herod was deeply grieved. There is only one other time in scripture that this word was used, and it was used when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, too, was deeply grieved. John had gained some type of influence over Herod, whether it was the force of his character or by the holy way that he lived his life and the way that he taught. But if you know anything at all about Herod, you know that he was very inconsistent. He was very inconsistent with his actions. And he was continually the victim of this inner conflict within himself between good and evil. Sounded a little familiar. But in our passage of scripture this morning, unfortunately, the evil won out. He no longer had John to talk with him and to teach him. And I think he sincerely regretted that. I can imagine and play in my head how those conversations might have gone between John and Herod. And I am sure that Herod heard on more than one occasion, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. But we don't really know what those conversations were said, how they were said. But I can think that in this kind of relationship between John and Herod, maybe John's perspective was a little refreshing to Herod. He didn't have your normal yes man nodding in agreement with everything that was said. He might have been glad to have some open and honest conversation with John. And I know that as we sit here this morning, there's not a king among us. We don't own kingdoms and we don't rule over them. And we most certainly cannot order anyone's head to be cut off. Even though there's times, you know, 
when you just want to pinch somebody's head off. <laughs> but we can't do that either. We can't do that either. But I think what we can do is we can, like Herod, stop and think about things for a bit. You know, we're, we're not really a people that think before we act. Or maybe I should qualify that. <laughs> I'm not a really good one to think before I act sometimes. But the benefit there is great, is great. As I look around our country today, as I look not too far in our community and the communities that surround us, there's an awful lot of hatred and violence that seems to permeate our thinking. If someone thinks differently than we do, we automatically classify them as our enemy. And therein begins the destructive thoughts. People hating on other people just because they think differently. And I can say this in this congregation because we were just talking about it this morning. We were dividing the congregation in between Alabama fans and Auburn fans. <laughs> we don't need any more division, folks. We don't need any more division. I guess what I would wish for our country would be a nationwide soul-searching, a time of thinking about our behaviors, our thoughts, our words towards each other, and think about them through the eyes of Jesus through the eyes of Jesus. What would he think about the way I thought about this or the way I spouted off about that? We seem to think very little about cutting someone else down, belittling them or wishing them harm and it's real easy for us to sit there and say, well, I don't do those things. You don't hear that coming out of my mouth. But people are becoming more and more vocal about the things that they dislike and they disagree with. And we may not openly sometimes spout off at the mouth, if you will, but we do support that when we choose to ignore that kind of behavior. Y'all, I grew up in a time and a day when half my neighborhood had the privilege of disciplining me. I mean, I knew that if I did something that I wasn't supposed to do, by the time I got home, half of my neighborhood had corrected me or either called my mom. And that's just the way I was raised. That's just the way I was raised. 
But if we choose to ignore bad behavior, it facilitates more bad behavior. So I want you this morning to ask of the Holy Spirit to shine a light into your heart so that you may do your own soul-searching I'm not going to tell you what area. You know those areas. And the Holy Spirit can help you deal with those very areas. Ask the Holy Spirit to be the kind of person for you that John was to Herod. To be that voice of truth, if you will. And then sit back and listen to what the Spirit whispers. Sometimes I think we cut it off after we've done the asking because we're afraid of what we'll hear. So take the time to listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Who is it that you fear? What is it that you're really afraid of? And then ask the Holy Spirit to help you confront it. And if it needs correcting, to correct it. You know, where our focus is tells us a whole lot about our souls and how we think about the souls of others. But we need to look to the scriptures where, yet again, Christ gives us the example. Nowhere in God's word do I hear the words, hate your neighbor, bring anger against those that persecute you. What Jesus says is love your enemies. Love your enemies. Love your neighbors, too. But love your enemies. If you could love your enemies the way you love your friends, how different your life would be. How very different. As Christians, we have a goal and that goal is to grow and to become more like Jesus, right? More like Jesus. And the thing that has become so prevalent in our society is the ones who think differently from us are our enemies. just because they're different. But Jesus says to pray for those. Pray for those who wish us harm. That's a huge step. A huge step. Just because there are differences 
doesn't mean there should be hatred. The only way for us to continue to grow and become more like Jesus Christ is to periodically, it's not a once and done thing, but periodically go through this process of searching your soul. Search out those things that may be hindering you from becoming more like Christ. And then ask God to take care of it. I guarantee you, if we all faithfully did that, we would find ourselves living in a very different world. A very different world. So I invite you this morning to ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light on those places inside of you that are holding you back from becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father God, you who know us best, speak to our hearts this morning. Begin speaking to those things that we are battling within our spirits. Move us out of our comfort zones, Lord, so that we may begin that soul-searching process that needs to happen so that we can grow more into your likeness. A soul-searching, Father, that leads us closer to you so that our lives become more like yours. Convict us of those things that need changing in our lives. But then, Lord, give us the courage, the courage to make those changes. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen.